0: Miami Heat, even series 1-1 one, one with the Denver Nuggets. Are they in control of the series as it heads down to Miami, Florida? Plus, well, how will Denver respond to their first real stretch of adversity in the playoffs? And, well, couldn't wait for the offseason. We've got Kyrie LeBron rumors. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys being on whatever platform that you've chosen to listen to us on. Whether you're checking us out on YouTube where you can catch a version of the show on video, or if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us those five-star reviews, Spotify, any app where you can find podcasts. We appreciate you guys making us part of your day. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets, My my co-host is David Ramil. He is co-host of Locked on Heat. We just happened to be covering the two teams in the finals. Uh, So you can catch another matchup of this on uh, Thursdays or Fridays, actually with uh, Wes Goldberg, David's co-host and Adamara as my co-host. So we'll see where the series is at after game three in Miami on today's show. We will talk about um, Jackson on last night's show covered kind of like game two. So I kind of want to look ahead and be like, all right, has Miami gained control of the series? What does this mean going into the two games in, in down there? What can the Heat carry forward? We'll talk about Denver and trying to face their real stretch of adversity here in the playoffs after what was a pretty easy run. Um, all of those types of things on today's show, as well as we've got some LeBron nonsense that popped up because they can't leave well enough alone. NBA uh, can't, drama can't 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 not be in the spotlight for just just two weeks. Can't do it. Got to got to get out there and. Drum up some drama. We'll talk about it in the last segment. I want to let you know today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Check out the Game Time app. All right, David, let's start here. So the Heat get the win. In game two, behind an incredible shooting performance, a woeful defensive performance from Denver. Uh, The heat zone threw things off in the fourth quarter. They won the Jokic minutes by 11 outside of a Nuggets run in the second quarter by the bench, which was a wild performance. Um, They dominated, um, held the Nuggets to a 110 offensive rating in Nicole Jokic's minutes. That's pitiful compared to his average. Uh, Still only won the game by three. Denver had a shot to tie with less than a second remaining, which shows you the margin for error that the Heat have. It took a lot of these things, but this is how the Heat lives. They live in the margins, as they are fine and comfortable in winning games of this nature. My biggest question for you is, as somebody that covers the Heat and knows them very well, how confident do you feel that they're in control of this series? Do you think the series has completely shifted? Do you think they can get both in Miami? What is your general sense for how Miami will respond now with an opportunity to take control of the series and possibly be up 3-1 by the time it heads back to Denver for game five?
1: I, I do think they can win both in Miami. I'll start off by saying that, but not I'm not overwhelmingly convinced of that. I, I think you and I both spoke before the series began and, and talked about The potential volatility one way or the other, not really knowing exactly how the series was to play out. Obviously, your prediction was much more optimistic about Denver's chances, mine leaning more optimistically about Miami. At the same time, just Miami has been so difficult to predict one way or the other. Uh, And just because their shooting variance obviously is a big factor, but the way they continue to beat teams – dragging them down to the mud, slowing things down, removing an aspect of what makes those teams in particularly good, and then just continuing to play their, their strengths and finding their identity time and time again. Cliché, perhaps, in, a, in an overall general sense, but this is exactly what Miami's postseason has been. So having said all that, that's my th- my feeling is that Miami can easily win, or not easily, they can win both games. I wouldn't be all that surprised if they lost both games either, just because, as you mentioned, the margin for error is not particularly great. I think Miami found some things that work. Obviously, they're going to keep Kevin Love in the starting lineup. I think he was great uh, in terms of just having another big body out there, uh, you know, guarding Aaron Gordon, allowing Jimmy Butler to shift onto Jamal Murray. I think that was mostly effective. I think it kept Murray from getting to shots that he might normally hit or might get to his spots on the floor a little bit more easily with Butler hounding him. Gordon, not particularly aggressive. Not sure if it was just because, as was reported later on, he wasn't feeling well or just because, I think, again, Love did a fairly decent job of staying in between him and Nikola Jokic and limiting those passes that uh, Jokic makes so easily and made so easily in Game 1. So I think that was certainly a, a factor in Miami's favor. Aside from all that, can you continue to rely on 50% or 49% shooting from three-point range? No, but Miami, again, they, this is what they've done all postseason long. This is the recipe for their victories aside from that Knicks series. So, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that they have control of the series, but they are at home. Well, the series tied 1-1. Nobody gave him that chance, right, outside of that locker room and maybe my perspective, but what do I care? What does what what my perspective matter in all this? I, I really just think Miami has managed to find a way to continue to, to play to their strengths while removing the strength of their opponents uh, in a way that nobody really
0: predicted. I both did and didn't. So I gave out like – I've talked about how like I picked yeah. the Nuggets in five because it was the only logical answer I could come sure. to. I, I bet Miami in game two. Like, it was just feeling. It was just like pure feeling based off of how that's were- all it is, right? I mean, right. it's just a, a good feeling. Yeah. The, so, so, the shooting variance is like a, a hot topic today. And, like, I've, I've talked a lot about it on Twitter. And yeah, I, I understand that, like, <laughs> folks don't want to hear it. It's, it's um, a real thing. It, well, it's, diff- it's funny to me because it's just like the smart heat voices in the room are like, oh, no, yeah, they're shooting completely ridiculous numbers. That's absolutely part of it. They just keep doing it. We keep waiting for it to end, but they just keep doing it. So, right. like, I don't think you can go into these games and be like, Miami's definitely going to shoot 49% from three. I also don't think you can go to these games and be like, Oh, there's no way they do that again. Nope. Right. Don't do that. Like, right. And some of this too, I will say like the formula here is pretty, when you actually kind of boil down what Miami's doing, you get a real clear picture of what they're doing. Right. Which is let's the, the game last night was 86 possessions. That is not slow. That is sloth. Like, like that is painfully glacially slow. And some of the weird calls in the second half, like a five-minute delay for a pretty clear, easy transition take foul, Um, like those type of stoppages help Miami. Like Miami wants the game stilted and awkward and weird, yeah. and those kind of stoppages, I think, help them as well. Um, I'm not like sure if Spo said
1: it, but he has – I had nauseam throughout the season – He wants to drag these games into the mud. That's how they love to play. And you do that. You keep it close and let Jimmy or X player that you might not predict go
0: off in the last few minutes of the game
1: recipe for success. It's happened all
0: season. And even then, like now with Jimmy really playing pretty mediocre, not bad, just mediocre um, for the last really since the game, one of the Celtics series. A lot of this is also, it's about like, they are playing a variance game. If you have fewer possessions, but more of your shots are threes, and so many of their shots are jumpers. Yeah, like there could be a game where Miami's just gonna put up like 86 points and be awful. Like that could happen at some point in this series. Sure. but it creates a wider range of outcomes. And if they're getting three points and the Nuggets are getting twos off of Jokic, they flipped a huge advantage that Denver had in their, in their Lakers series, which is they were hitting threes and the Lakers were taking twos. So it's like, they're winning the math game and they're putting themselves in a variance position. Cause this to me has been like a recurring thing from Spo. It's not about like, we're going to win. It's like, we're going to put ourselves in a position to win. Like yeah. you, you do what you can to have the opportunity right. and you hope that things go your way. And that's what they've done. And so um, as far as, like, will they take both in Miami? Like, is it, to me, is it likely? No, because Denver's the better team. Am I going to be surprised if it's 3-1? Not at all. Like, this is just how, this is sports, man. Sometimes yep. teams just go on runs like this for three set, well, two rounds, and then a, a series versus the, the Knicks, which doesn't really count. But, like, three rounds versus great, good teams and, and are able to accomplish this. Um <laughs>
1: It's, it's weird that we kind of discount what the Knicks series was against Miami, and they kind of challenged them in ways that no, neither I, the Bucks nor the Celtics really did, even in the Celtics. It's the only series, series, series
0: that shot badly. <laughs> that's, like, the answer. It's like, that's the series that shot badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other side, we'll talk about Denver and whether or not they can handle the adversity they're now up against, whether they can get Michael Porter Jr.'s head mm-hmm. locked back in, uh, whether Michael Malone struck the right chord in his fiery post-game comments, all that and more on the other side. But first, I want to talk about game time. Browse to the GameTime app and talk about the upcoming events in your area. You'll be able to find so many great ones in the GameTime app. There's so many cool ones. Uh, my brother-in-law's in town, so my wife just was like, oh, hey, do you want to see a Rockies game? Pulled up tickets and got tickets to a Rockies game right there on the app. Concerts at Red Rocks, found them on the app great flash deals that you're going to get. And you're going to get better prices than anybody else. The day of the event, they got easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Plus images of seat views, which is great. The lowest price guarantee. They've got event cancellation protection, all of these types of things. Get images of of your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. It's important for my wife who's short. So she needs to be able to know if she's going to be able to see the actual stage or the field uh, from the seats that she's in tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email, download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back on locked on NBA. <laughs> Back here on Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us. I'm Matt Moore alongside David Ramil. Uh, David is in Florida, where I will be heading this afternoon to cover game three of the NBA finals between the Heat and the Nuggets. Excited to get me Hmm. some Cuban food and some ceviche. Let's go. Uh, Always excited when I get to go to Miami. It's one of my favorite cities to go. If you need um, recommendations, just let me know. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to text you as soon as we get off this pod. Uh, (laughs) All right. So on the flip side, the Nuggets face real adversity, I think, for the first time in the playoffs. You could argue after when the series was two two versus the Suns. Suns of right. one two straight, you know, coming back home. Devin Booker had been lights out. But it still felt like it was taking so much from Devin Booker for them to win. Um, you know, they dominated the, the Wolves series, their one loss came in overtime and they swept the Lakers. So they haven't really been in this position. They haven't they are not technically down in a series, but sure. they are tied and now the opponent has home court for the first time. In their, ser- in their playoff run. How has Denver's road uh, record been over the course of the postseason? Uh, it is four and three, I believe. Okay, fair enough. So, um, let's see. Yep, that's, that tracks, four and three. Um, they were a bad road team during the regular season. Hmm. The rest contingent matters. The games without Jokic matter. Like, it's messy like it is with every team. But, like, in general, Denver hasn't been a great road team. So, that's another factor here as well. Um the players were pretty mad last night themselves. And I will say that I get the sense from being close to the team that there was a little bit of buying in the, of like reading the own clippings. Uh, there was so much positive media after game one. And I think that they got a little too comfortable. We didn't even play well and we won. Well, guess what? If you don't play better, if you play actually considerably worse in game two, Miami's going to rip your heart out of your chest while it's still beating. Um, so, like, the question is, like, can Denver overcome this adversity? Is this are they made for this? This is a team that, at its strictest core of Jokic, Malone, and Murray, did come back twice from down three-one in the bubble, but that was three years ago, and their roster was wildly different. Uh, how do you feel about Denver's ability to handle the adversity that they're facing for the first time? <sighs> It's still unpredictable,
1: right? And, and I know it's not quite the, the take that a lot of our listeners and viewers want to hear, but they are a good team. It's not like they can't find a way to overcome whatever challenges there were. But I did see something in game two that I, I wasn't sure was likely to happen, although we've seen signs of this in the past. But Jokic looked a little rattled there, especially late in the game. He didn't get a couple of calls his way. Uh, he turned the ball over. And again, wasn't being wasn't able to make those kinds of passes, and it kind of everybody fed off of that. And look, you know, a couple—it was an Aaron Gordon three, a couple Jamal Murray threes, a shot from Jokic here, there, and they closed, but was a, a, an eleven-point deficit in the last three minutes of the game to yeah. get a three-point loss. But aside from that, they there were moments there, particularly in the fourth quarter, where they just lost composure, a lot of whining for foul calls, not paying attention to the details, et cetera. And of course, the overall factor, I think, kind of hovering over this team of Michael Porter Jr. and his really piss poor shot selection, bad defense, just a non-factor out there at all. We talked about it in our preview of the series, You know how much he's improved defensively. And certainly his shooting uh, is always a threat. And that has not been the case in the finals. And certainly in game two, it was magnified at just how badly he's he's played uh, against Miami. So there are a lot of Cracks in the facade there, and, and you, know, you know the pulse of the team far better than I do. But if you're starting to think that maybe they bought into, uh, you know, a lot of the 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 storylines regarding their success in Game One, I don't know how they'll respond to that. You know, because again, this is a team that hasn't been at this point. Like, has are there? I really don't know. Is there any player on that roster who's had Finals experience? Certainly not championship experience. KCP, excuse me. Yeah, KCP in the bubble. Yeah, you got. Uh, and he looks shaken. Like, again, he was doing a bulk of the complaining yeah. and, and, and a couple of really dumb fouls really on dumb three-point foul. shooters. Yep. So if you're looking at him as your voice of reason and experience in these situations, and he's the one f- kind of floundering, that's not a great barometer for how they'll respond in game three.
0: Yeah, it was very unlike them. But I think the other thing is is you can look back and just say, like, this is what Miami does. I have a hard time with it just because yeah. I'm like, is it ball pressure? Not really. It's not really that is it like they played zone, which it's not like they haven't seen it before. And they've actually scored relatively well versus the zone overall in the series. So it's not really that it's plays like where Jokic throws a pass to Michael Porter jr. On the wing. And it just watches it sail out of bounds. Like those kind of things. I'm just like, this is just voodoo. Like the heater, just like the heater conducting some sort of mind control over other people. Um, where like, I don't know what it is about them that makes other teams do this, but I, you know, that was kind of one of the thoughts that everyone had coming in was like, Denver won't do that.
1: Right. I didn't
0: necessarily like go out on a limb and say that because I was just like, I, I don't know. Like there's still a bunch of young guys on the team. Um, I think that they will be better in game three. I'll say that it may not matter just because it's a home game for Miami. Right. Amps crowd in the finals, but like they tend to, re- they do tend to respond when they know that they've, when they haven't done what they need to do, they've Mm -hmm. come out with a more, with a better sense of aggression. They've come out with a better edge. Their game twos have been their worst in the playoffs. They actually uh, were down at half in both of their previous game twos before this one. And they only won this one the first half because uh, of the bench spurt in that second quarter. So like they've been bad in these game twos, but they Mm -hmm. tend to play much better in game three. That's where they've been really pretty good even in the what, loss to phoenix they played pretty well in that game devin booker just like shot the lights out
1: am i making too much about uh you know a, a lot of the conversation and look uh f- just to address it uh uh eric spolstrom's response to ramona shelburne was not antagonistic if you've covered smoke for any long no. amount of time he just that's just him being frank and honest yeah. he's not calling her no. uh a, a, a untrained eye or anything like that you know? he's just he's He's giving ultimate respect. I'm to the sure Ramona wasn't done. insulted. Yeah, right? she was not. So it's just uh, ironic that everybody's kind of making a big deal out of it. But do you think the the way that they turned him into a scorer versus a playmaker uh, has any legs to it? Because uh, again, the only four assists to five turnovers, and I think part of that was just the way they kind of again put up bodies in between Jokic and other players, so that those passes weren't as easy as they were in Game One. Do you think they? Do you think that's a thing? And do you think they figure out a way around that in game three?
0: So they play good defense, right? They just play good. Like, well like, those are things that you want to do in general. You play sure. good defense. Like, here's an interesting thing. Okay. So he averages 16 potential assists per game in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, far And he has
0: 11 you. in game two. So you go like, aha. but you have to factor in pace. These games are so slow that this the it's almost about the same rate in terms of the amount of potential assists. The conversion rate was much lower because the Nuggets played like garbage, especially Michael Porter Jr., right? So I think that it's possible, like if they had hit better shots, if their offensive process and decision making had been cleaner, that probably assist total goes up. And then you're but here's the difference, though, is then they probably win the game. And then we're not talking about it. Then we're like, yep, Jokic with 40 and seven there we go again. Like, so I think it's a, it's a combination of factors. Like the turnovers are things like Kevin love walking up to him and like knocking the ball out of his hands backwards. That's a, a pretty random play that I, I don't expect to happen again. Like it's not like Kevin love is like, I think Kevin love is underrated, especially like you mentioned in the first segment about what he's doing in terms of the physicality, his yeah. ability to be a big body that will also take charges constantly as yeah. essentially his only form of defense is actually really helpful. Like it genuinely does help where guys are uncomfortable because they're constantly slamming into a large body. Like between him and Kyle Lowry, it's like a constant injury risk on the floor. Um, and that's just like kind of part of it. So, and like I'm that's not against the rules. That's not a criticism. That's in the rule book. If the NBA doesn't want that, the NBA has changed the rules. Um I think the MPJ question is really interesting because this is the furthest that he, I think has been out there. He's played so well during the playoffs. He has done all of the things that they asked him to. And game three was, so, was game two was such a huge letdown on that front. And the players were pretty clearly upset about it all year long. I asked the nuggets veterans. I was like, what happens to your defense? Like what, how can you be so good in some spots and so terrible in others? And they all said to a man, some of our guys let their offense dictate their defensive effort, mm-hmm. and they weren't just talking about MPJ, but they were definitely not not talking about MPJ. And so I think when MPJ is missing shots, he got really down on himself for whatever reason. And as Malone alluded
1: to at his post game press
0: conference, too. and then made and then like made more to it. Like and when you and those things just can't have that happen. Now I think it's probably pretty likely that, that they've got a pretty good locker room culture, even without championship experience. They got Jeff Green, they got DeAndre Jordan, they got okay. good voices, but. You know, it is a question like it's not for sure. It's not like, oh, yeah, never will definitely bounce back. It's definitely a question of whether or not they'll be able to overcome this.
1: I know it's a very, very different coaching styles, especially when it comes to addressing media and stuff like that. But it's kind of felt, at least from the outside, Malone throwing Michael Porter Jr. under the bus a little bit and, and not undeservedly. But at the same time, how does Michael Porter Jr. respond to that? Does the kind of does the team kind of feed on itself after that? Does it start to implode? I mean, you talked about the locker room culture being overall positive, but that was kind of a not necessarily a bad look, but you don't want to go out there on the biggest stage after having blown a game and saying, "Yeah, well, this guy was too worried about his shots and not playing good defense." Absolutely true, but you don't necessarily want to put that out there for media. How do you think they respond?
0: Uh, a couple things. I think one it wasn't just him. I think Jamal was part of this too. Cause Jamal's defense was really terrible in that game too. Jamal Murray's too. this tactic has worked with MPJ. Okay. That like the tough love thing and like nuggets fans haven't enjoyed it. They're like, why are you not playing him? He is great. You need to play him 35, 45 minutes. Cause he's so talented. And it's like, he's got to learn. Um, it's been successful all along the way. Um, the other thing I will say is that Malone is really good. About the personal connection stuff. And he and MPJ have a strained relationship. It's been tough since the beginning, but it's gotten so much better. And when he's played well, Malone's gone out of his way to compliment compliment him. So it's not like a one way street to criticism. It's like when he's played great and like Malone has been like, let's talk about MPJ. Like he's made sure to note it. So I'm pretty sure that today when they get together, there's no, there's supposed to be no practice. That's not true. They're definitely doing film work and practicing today. He will grab, he will take, he will come up to MPJ and put his shoulder around him and he'll talk to him right. and probably get him back in. Um, if he doesn't, it's bad and that, okay. that helps Miami. And maybe you're right. Maybe okay. the, maybe Miami's pressure cracks yet another team. It's entirely possible, but it's a question that we'll have to wait to see. Uh, one thing we will have to wait to see is whether or not Kyrie Irving and uh, LeBron James can keep their names out of the media during the NBA finals. The answer I is second. no. We'll talk about uh, the latest with those two. Is a possible team up in Dallas? Question mark, exclamation point? We'll do that on the other side here on Locked on NBA. First I tell you about prize picks and the one million dollar super flex promotion. Every day of the NBA finals, one prize picks user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. And whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If we get six right, that's a million bucks. If we get five right, eighty grand. Four right, and you still win $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You've got to opt in at that link, prizepicks.com slash million, to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. But once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Download the Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match, up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day. Matt Moore alongside David Ramil. And as much as we'd like to keep the things focused on basketball, well, transactional nature of the NBA. says, no, no, no. Uh, I thought it was really funny, David, that uh, this is just three days after Adam Silver said in a press conference that both the MBPA and NBA agreed not to release any news on the John Morant suspension because they didn't want to distract from the NBA finals. And lo and behold, on a Monday morning, both Shams Strania and Chris Haynes report that Kyrie Irving has started trying to engineer a trade of LeBron James to his Dallas Mavericks. Just mwah, chef's kiss here. Uh, no ambiguity about this whatsoever. Sources Kyrie Irving has reached out to Lakers star LeBron James and attempts to see if James would come to Dallas. Irving is a free agent this offseason. Chris Haynes of TNT um, instead reporting that. Uh there were actually conversations before the trade deadline. Uh the season, and that actually uh the Lakers then made trades that obviously turned their season around and rebuffed it. Uh a lot of folks already like there's a lot already, like a ton of content on this, and like the general reads are such. This is most likely um an attempt by Kyrie to start planting his interest in playing with LeBron. And if he can't, if LeBron's not going to come to Dallas where he makes all the money, if he resigns, then Kyrie can wind up going to LA. Uh, there's also those that feel that this is a, a leak from the Lakers side that potentially this could be impacted by um, LeBron wanting to put pressure on the Lakers to make the moves that he wants following up on his retirement not threat but suggestion, uh, then we have the idea of him potentially being traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, David, we'll get into, like, your thoughts on this and, and the whole dynamics, just so we're clear. Unless the Lakers are interested in Maxi Kleba, Tim Hardaway Jr., mm. and, uh, like, some other random player. Reggie Bullock, mm. Josh Green, maybe. he's Ooh. He's young, athletic, pretty good. Unless they're interested in that package for, let me see, check my notes here. LeBron James, the greatest player of a generation who scored 40 in an elimination game three weeks ago. Unless that's what they're looking for in their return along with like every pick Dallas has and they don't have many until like 2029. Uh, don't think it's going to happen because Dallas has, or the Lakers have absolutely no reason to facilitate that other than just like wanting to make LeBron happy. And that's a lot to give up and get bad return for to make that trade work. I don't see this happening. I do think that a LeBron like Kyrie team up could happen. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on this entire thing. Uh, that came out. Oh,
1: you know what? I, I've got to be honest with you. I tried to stay away from it. I saw it, kind of chuckled, rolled my eyes a little bit, just said, you know, NBA drama, you got to love it. And at the same time, I, uh, following Adam Silver's dictates here, just did not want to lose focus on the NBA. Finals. i got enough on my plate just wondering about what's going to happen in game three before I can start thinking about uh, you know a potential reunion between Kyrie and LeBron. I don't know, man. It is what it is, right? Like, I, would I like to see them both together? I don't know. I don't know that I care. Like, uh, Kyrie has been so problematic over the last couple seasons. And honestly, uh, I, I, as much of a glory hound and attention-seeking just entity as LeBron James is and how it's always been, like, I would have preferred that he could just kind of age much more gracefully without that kind of, extra crap that has followed him throughout his whole career. Not, you know, not he's brought some of it, a lot of it on himself, certainly, but I just wanted to see him kind of, and appreciate him as one of, if not the greatest player of all time and have him continue to be a great player and not have to worry about, Oh, there he is again with Kyrie Irving. Cause you know what? That's, That's a problem. That's been a problem in Dallas. It's been a problem in Boston. It's been a problem in Brooklyn. Hey, it's been a problem. And I think it's Kyrie. So I don't know. I'm curious to see because, again, transactions are fun. It's great to make projections and to see what could happen. But if this can't happen and it's unlikely that it does, uh, it still would have been a very uh, unpalatable alternative to see a reunion between those two players.
0: I mean, I think a lot of this just gets into his frustration with the Lakers. They've been in a power struggle. It's not a secret that they've been in a power struggle with ownership. Everyone knows, right? And, like, it is not a coincidence that this leak came from two reporters with extremely strong clutch ties. Yep. That's not a coincidence. Um, So, I think some of this gets into LeBron. Look, if he gets to five – that's a much easier argument for greatest of all time than six or than, than, than four. Right. Like the sure. argument just becomes a lot better. Plus if he gets one more, like if he retires, Steph Curry already has as many titles as him. Hmm. That's going to stick at him. Right. <laughs> so as he's trying to like cap this off, he wants to be at the highest level of contention. He got to the conference finals. At age 38 scored 40 in an elimination game. And they got swept And to me, like, that's what this all comes down to is, like, how am I this far away? Like, how can you not build a a team that's better around me and AD? Like, how is that possible? And the answer is, like, because you want Russell Westbrook. And, like, and you're very terrible at the players that you want on the team. Like, he's LeBron GM, not good. Uh, Excited for LeBron owner, by the way, when that happens. So... Like that's where a lot of this comes from. And then from Kyrie's perspective, this isn't like rocket science. Like he wants to play with LeBron, he wants to play for a championship team, but the the Mavericks can offer him the most money. So from that perspective, why He's not come
1: here? I'm not giving up any money. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Like that's, that's the thing is like what, because this is Kyrie is a member of that vein of players that have been around for this last decade or so, That they want it all. They want right. the city and the contract. the championship opportunity they want everything like the finals are between two teams that are not built like that denver is not the destination city miami is but what miami's really done is they've attracted guys with a specific like there are there's a lot of stars that miami doesn't want because miami's like you don't you would not fit in here you don't do things the way we do things um but these players want everything on their terms. And that's just like how it winds up. And they look, they're the most important and talented players in the world. They are worth every penny. So like them willing to influence, I don't blame them for it, you know, cause Lord knows the owners try and have everything too. They want to not spend money and win championships. Right. It's a battle. Right. right. So I get this, but I do think that ultimately, um, like LeBron definitely does think that. Sure. Kyrie's had problems everywhere else but like we want a championship together so it can work. And I'm just like, I don't know if he's that guy anymore, man. I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, but besides that, like it, it can't happen in Dallas. So uh, to me, this increases the likelihood that Kyrie Irving winds up in LA or that mm. Kyrie and LeBron wind up in a third city. Mm. Like, I don't know, Phoenix, mm. but I think that uh, ultimately this one is going to come out as nothing. This is the important thing is to always don't just like, hear this if you're somebody that pays attention to this stuff um don't just hear this and like let it wash over you when it doesn't turn out to be anything the next time the news comes out about Kyrie or LeBron remember this these events and how because I'll just say this for my time covering the league these folks aren't subtle there's always breadcrumbs left along the trail absolutely uh, all right, let's go wrap it up for Locked on NBA for a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, so hopefully no major news. Knock on wood breaks in between now and when I get into uh, Miami, Florida at midnight Eastern. Uh, we will see you guys again next week. Make sure to check out the show tomorrow. Jake Madison and John Corrales will be set up for you next week. Uh, Make sure to check out Locked on Heat for coverage of Miami Heat and their 49% three-point shooting throughout the NBA Finals. You can check out (laughs) the Denver Nuggets for more coverage of Michael Porter Jr.'s mood swings over at Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Catch David on Twitter at DRumel13. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us on Locked on Nuggets. Uh, Locked on NBA. (laughs) Locked on Nuggets and Heat. Locked on NBA.